Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Today's episode has been sponsored by Jay McLaughlin. Jay McLaughlin is a timeless lifestyle brand with incredible style and a spirit of connection. I am obsessed with Jay McLaughlin and have been so honored that they are sponsoring my Zibiverse tour. It just so happens that the tour goes to so many communities and areas of the country that have Jay McLaughlin stores. And I love that the brand is philanthropic through Jay McLaughlin's local and loyal programming, host store events to give back to organizations that are meaningful to Jay McLaughlin's local communities. I also love the fact that the clothes are just so chic They make me feel polished and modern, and the best part is that most of the line comes in fabrics that don't wrinkle. I especially love the dresses, the cashmere sweaters, the other sweaters. You'll see them all over my Instagram. I typically tag at Jay McLaughlin, and so you can check it out. It is absolutely one of my favorite brands, and I am over the moon excited to be working with them. In fact, I want to share the love with all of you. Jay McLaughlin is giving 20% off new customers and listeners of my podcast with special code ZIBBY20, capital Z-I-B-B-Y 20. That's 20% off for new customers and listeners of the podcast with special code capital Z-ZIBBY20. Take advantage of it today. My favorites are this white, open, long cashmere sweater that I've been wearing on every flight that I've taken on this tour. I have a blue with light blue horizontal striped sweater, several dresses I even wore on Morning America. Check it out, Jay McLaughlin. Thanks so much. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast that you're listening to right now, thank you so much, called Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. It is a daily podcast, 365 days a year, and each day we talk to an author about all of the things related to their career, their book, their life, and more in 30 minutes or less, because who has time? I am now an author myself, although I wasn't when I started this podcast, and you can get my new memoir, Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, wherever books are sold starting July 1st, and my children's book, Princess Charming. You can learn more about me at zibbyowens.com, but really, you're here to learn more about the authors, and that is what we're going to do. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts in the Zcast Podcast Network. You can learn more at zcastnetwork.com. And definitely check out those shows as well. Sheila Hetty and Esme Shapiro are co-authors of A Garden of Creatures. Sheila Hetty is the author of 10 books, including the novels Pure Color, Motherhood, and How Should a Person Be? 
She was named one of the new Vanguard by the New York Times, a list of 15 writers from around the world who are shaping the way we read and write fiction in the 21st century. Her books have been translated into 25 languages. Esme Shapiro is an author and illustrator. Her picture books include Myself, Yourself, Carol and the Pickle Toad, Alma and the Beast, and Uku, which was a finalist for the Governor General's Literary Award. Esme also illustrated Yak and Dove by Kyle McClear and Eliza, the story of Elizabeth Schuyler Hamilton by Margaret McNamara. A Garden of Creatures is their first collaboration. Welcome, Sheila and Esme, to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. We're going to be talking about your new picture book, A Garden of Creatures, and so much else that you both are working on. Wonderful. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Okay, try to explain the beauty and the message behind A Garden of Creatures, what the book is really about, and Esme, how you decided on the particular palette and how it looks, um, sort of an aesthetic standpoint, as the illustrator, and what your main goals, the two of you together, are in in having this book be out in the world. Esme, why don't you why don't you start? You want me to? <laughs> Okay. All right. So a couple years ago, I guess maybe two or three years ago now, Sheila sent me the manuscript for A Garden of Creatures and it couldn't have plopped on my lap in a more important time. I had been grieving my grandfather and I was just blown away by the simplicity and the beauty of the manuscript. Basically, the book deals with death in such an elegant way. The idea that when someone dies, they become the whole world. They become the garden that we're living in was something that really resonated with me. When I was with my grandfather, when he was dying, I had the sense that he became the whole room. And when Sheila and I were emailing back and forth, I know, Sheila, you also had a similar experience with the death of your father. So we had this kind of synchronistic experience of death. And I was immediately like, I'm going to do this. I'm absolutely going to illustrate this book. And I've always, I'm a big fan of Sheila's work and it was an honor to work with her. Basically, we just jumped right in. In terms of the color palette and the characters, the big thing that I wanted to show with my illustrations was the idea of of it going from the darkness of the night to the lightness of the day. So if you look at it, it starts in the darkness. It's the night. The stars are twinkling. The moon is up. But it starts with the death. And in the in the night, we slowly start to pull away some of the big thoughts that the bunny is having and the cat is having. And by the end of the book, it goes into the brightness of the day. And Sheila, I'll let you <laughs> I'll give it to you now. Yeah, I wrote the story. I was working on my novel Pure Color at the time, which was also very much in the wake of my father dying and I was going to his house to clean it out you know after somebody dies there's so much to do um it's so weird you think that it should be just a time of quietness and grieving and instead you're dealing with all this bureaucracy and all these details and it's so frustrating you're all like you're pulled back into life and you want to disappear from life there's something so structurally weird about it but anyways I was I remember waiting for the bus 
And just the story came to me. I just typed it out on my phone. And then I thought, I wonder what this is. Could it be, could it be a children's book? And I sent it to Esme, who I had never met before, but we'd, she'd done an illustration. I'd commissioned an illustration from her at one point. And yeah, she said, this is a book. I'd love to illustrate it. If she had said that it's not a children's book, I don't want to illustrate it. It just would still be on my phone. <laughs> wow. Well, good thing you commissioned that last drawing then. I guess, you know, it all worked out. <laughs> you had her, already had her in your Rolodex, so to speak. The book is beautiful. It's sad. It's, you know, you have to stop. I mean, it's inspiring, but you have to stop and really think about your own sort of views of, of death and loss for a moment, right? You can't read this book and not reflect. And one of the beautiful parts about it is that you remind the reader that that very act of reflecting on death is something that we all have in common and that we are in that way, every creature is like, in that we have to analyze and wonder and there's no real way of knowing. And of course you end up on a very positive note that that as you mentioned, that the you know, the people we love are around us always. And I love to believe that too. And I also think about these things sort of all the time. <laughs> I think my husband thinks I'm like so morbid, but I my mind always goes to these places. You know, last night, my son who's eight was talking about, you know, the world, you know, not being here in however many years if the earth would disappear. And so I was like, well, if the earth disappears, does that mean that like the heavens disappear? And what about all the people who we've lost? You kind of circulate to that. Does that mean? Anyway, so all to say, I'm like down this spiral often. And so I relate very much to the messaging of your book as so, so many people will. But do you view this book as something for children? Is this a way for kids to start exploring their own questions about it? Is it more like, you know, what is the, what is your intention of having it out there? I know you didn't have an intention writing it. It was beautiful and it came to you and it does. I'm so glad it's out here as, and it's, you know, it's almost like a poem too, but I don't know. It, are you viewing this as something you're excited for to go to schools and talk about, or is it more like, I don't know, just where are you with it in terms of the audience and reception? And that was sort of a long rambling thing. But. <laughs> yeah. There's been such a positive response from parents who say that they want to talk to their kids about death or their child is already talking about death. And I think I hadn't realized this, but there aren't a lot of books for children that are sort of frank and not religious, not mm -hmm. religious, but, but beautiful. Like mm -hmm. that there can be something, you know, that the mystery of death and that the questions that it leaves you with, that's rich. And I think I've had people say that they were moved by it and like it. And it's a book for adults too. I don't know. I, I, I just think that we don't talk about death. And the fact that the book begins with the death, mm -hmm. I think is sort of special. Like kids know once they, re once they realize that death is a thing, they want to talk about it and think about it. Cause it's so, you would never think that death exists until you're told about it. It's counterintuitive that the right. people that we love go away. Even when we're adults, it's counterintuitive that somebody disappears. Mm -hmm. Sheila, you've written a lot inspired by this loss of your dad. Can you talk about, would you mind what telling me more about like what he was like and what his, what the loss of him, how he, how he passed away and like what, what the effect of that has been on you? Yeah, he was like a wonderfully optimistic and playful person, very loving and just a great father. But I think he, he was a happy person who loved life. And, you know, 
I, I feel like his legacy for me spiritually in dying was like that, the, I don't know, his death sort of showed me even more beauty in life. I expected grieving to be sadness. And for me, it wasn't exactly sadness. It was deep and it was rich and it was disorienting and bewildering, but it opened up the world to me in kind of a magical way which is not what I would have expected from the death of somebody that I loved. And Esme, your father, your grandfather died at the same time. And I think you yeah. had a similar. Did you yeah, have I, what, what, I, was he, what was he like? My grandfather, who we called our papa, was an incredible man. He was, he was like a giant man. He always wore like a little hat. And he was, you know, he was the person that, my whole family flocked to. He was the mountain we lived on. You know, he he had five kids, and my my bubby had passed away when all the when the kids were really young, and so he made it his life's work to hold the rest of the family together. There were twelve there's twelve grandchildren. We we're all incredibly close. You know, and when he was passing away, it was actually the most beautiful passing a person could want. You know, we were all there playing his favorite songs on the guitar. He loved Cat Stevens and Leonard Cohen. And, you know, it almost felt like a ship, like we were all with him for the journey. And, you know, when we go, it's that was a great way to go because he was surrounded by so many of us that loved him. And eventually, uh, when he did pass, I agree with Sheila, like, it was so hard. But I, I also felt like we absorbed the parts of him that we always admired. And I, I carry him with me in a very special way now. Yeah, I like how in the book, you also you also refer to how you don't know when you're going to die because you're not you anymore, right? And so you can't feel that loss necessarily. I don't know, all this sort of like self-reflection has to stop and how the bunny is just like, they're just sort of flummoxed by this whole thing, but like sort of quietly accepting of it, which is this beautiful resolution. It's really, it's just really beautiful and so important with so much loss in the world, especially the last few years, but obviously all the time and nice to not hide it. I think what you said before that, you know, I have four kids and we lost people, you know, we lost my husband's mom and, and grandmother died of COVID and, or from complications of COVID. And we had to go through all the stuff. We had all their boxes in our basement and going through the boxes and what does it mean? And being able to talk about it is so important, right? Because the beauty you found, Sheila, I feel like you can find at any age, once you've lost someone who is in your orbit, suddenly it does change the colors of the world. And I love how that's represented in the shifting of the colors, as you pointed out, Esme. That's really awesome. Backstory for both of you. So Esme, you you start, and how did you become an illustrator to begin with? Uh, I've always known I wanted to be in the arts. My mother is an artist. My father's a filmmaker. It was the water I was swimming in my whole life. And I in high school, I basically was like, oh, I know exactly what I'm going to do and I'm just going to be really focused and I'm going to do it. I went to an arts high school. So I studied fine art for four years there. And then I studied fine art at RISD again for another four years. And, you know, I 
I love what I do. I feel like every single book I get to jump into a different world and, you know, I get to, I get to play with color and shapes and emotion. And I feel like I become a part of these kids' worlds in a very special way, you know, part of the fabric of their identity. You know, when we look back at kids' books as adults, I'm sure you guys have felt this way too, where it's just, you're you're taken back to where you were at the time when you were reading it. And it's a very special portal to, to that. So, you know, these books that we're working on, especially kids' books, they they become a part of who you are. And, and I feel very proud to be making images and symbols for people to grow up with. It's amazing. And Sheila, I, uh, <laughs> I've done sort of a deep dive into you and your beginnings as a playwright and sending stories out to random people on subways when you just wanted them to be read and all of that. Um, talk about your trajectory to being um, and working with words in so many ways, playwright, children's book, essay, fiction, novel. I mean, everything. You're, you, when is the movie? I mean, the only thing I feel like you haven't done is, <laughs> is write a screenplay, but maybe you have. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, I... I, it's sort of this. It's funny as I haven't heard about Esme's trajectory, and I feel like mine is very much the same. I was a creative kid that sort of did all kinds of art. I directed plays when I was like five, and you know, just loved making things always. And I would stay home from school and pretend to be sick and just make up worlds and and make my own school and draw the girls that would go to the school and so on. And and I just. It was the best days in my life as a kid, staying home, pretending to be sick and just being able to make my art all day. And, and now that's like every day, <laughs> you know, it's just like the best result um, of what I could have ever hoped for. And I just, I think, you know, I, I wanted to be an actress. I wanted to be a photographer. There were so many things I wanted to do. And then I think I was in my teens when I just realized, you know, you have to just pick one because otherwise you're not going to be, you're not going to get good at it, really great at any of them. And I wanted to be really great at something. And I, I, I sort of felt like, you know, it's not, at, for a while I thought, well, there's going to be a loss not being able to do all these other artistic pursuits. And then I realized, no, if you pick one, all of the others will go, will transform and, and come out in it. So even though I, you know, gave up acting, I feel like there's still an element in which I do become an actress when I write books, you know, you, you become the character or, you know, you give up photography, but you, and you, you, you know, but there's this still like creation of images and the way things look when you're writing. So it's true. I didn't lose any of them. It's just, they all express themselves in language. And I just think I chose writing because that was the one that, that, you know, when I did it, people gave me the most positive feedback. So I, you sort of listen to the world, like, oh, people like my stories and, and I think I just also felt most, I felt the biggest when I was writing, like all parts of myself came into being when I was writing. And that wasn't the case when I was acting or taking pictures or whatever the other things were. So. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. I feel like so many of your books are these unique takes on books, like <laughs> novels about novels, like people's story. It's, it's like you're always questioning the form in which you're writing at the same time. So tell me about that. Yeah. I just, I think my, my subject ultimately is art mm-hmm. and I, I, I'm most interested in what is art and, you know, how can you make something that's truly expressive of your soul and everyone looks different inside from everybody else, a little bit different, Mm -hmm. also a little bit the same. And how can you find a shape? You know, I feel like a lot of art is like an imitation of art that you've already taken in. How can you make something new? And I think the way you make something new is by making art truly play. And so when I'm, when I'm working, I really just feel like I'm playing, you know? And I think it's really never felt like work somehow. I think if you're imitating other novels consciously or unconsciously, then it would feel like work because you're doing something that isn't intuitive. So, I mean, it's a lot of labor, but it's not a lot of, I'm not trying to, I'm not ever trying to force an impulse into a form that's not my own. Interesting. Wow. How do you feel about that, Esme? And did you follow Sheila's work for a long time before you work together? I mean, I definitely agree that if you're, if you're making art, there sh- you should be in this intuitive kind of playful space. It, you know, it's really funny. Like I'll, I'll, I'll do like um, an artist talk. And one of the questions I always get is how did you develop your style? And I'm always like, I always say the same thing, which is that, you know, don't consciously think about style. You just follow your nose. You follow your curiosity. And if you follow what you're interested in, there's always going to be a through line through all of your work. And there's always going to be certain motifs that you're drawn to. And if you're authentic to yourself, your style appears like, you know, the Wizard of Oz, you know, your style's just there, it's in you. And 
Yes, I I definitely knew of Sheila's work. And we had run into each other in Toronto a few years prior at a restaurant. Like there were lots of things with Sheila and I that just felt faded. Like we were just in each other's orbits. And I remember the first day that we met we met in Toronto at a cafe and it was the kind of thing where we only had an hour, but we could have stayed and spoken to each other for like half a full day, three days a week. You know, it's just like, I feel like Sheila and I are in many ways are, are kindred spirits. We, I feel so connected to her work and it's just such an honor to be able to bring a garden of creatures to life. Honestly, it was it was something that when I was working on it felt intuitive and playful and like the creatures were already there. I was just putting a flashlight on them and bringing them to life. Wow. Will there be, where, will there be more with the characters in this book? Do you, do you see there being future books or just future books collaborations together? Or have you already worked on something? Well, we've never talked about it, but I, I I mean, I think that would be so marvelous to do more together. And I agree with what Esme says, like the books that you read as a child, you absorb on a cellular level, like in such a deep way. And it, it forms your being in permanently. And I, I, th- I think writing for children is one of the most beautiful kinds of writing that you can do. So yeah, good idea, Zibby. Let's do it, Esme. Yeah, <laughs> amazing, I'm ready. Amazing. Anytime, Sheila. <laughs> I love it. No, I would like to see these characters live on. I mean, what would they do next? You know, like where would they go? What would they tackle? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Just or new characters or anything. Or new characters or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> Did you have, um, which books affected you on a cellular level as a child? You want to go first? I'll just mention one. Um, we were talking about it yesterday as my like um, Poppy Pig by Dick Bruna. And it's just this a story of like a little pig in her house and she just sweeps up and does the dishes and 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 pulls the carrots out of the garden and then eats the carrots. And it's like a perfect day. And I, I think I always wanted that simple, simple life where you just do a few simple tasks in the day and then you're like rewarded with your carrots. And I just still think to me, like Poppy Pig's life is my ideal life. There's something about that book that I just, yeah, really resonated with me. <laughs> A woman alone in her house. Not that I'm a woman alone in my house, but, you know, close. Um, I love that. For me, it was, I was obsessed with Goodnight Moon. And looking back, I'm like, there, those images are so striking. It's colors I personally would never even think to put together, like reds and greens and a primary yellow. Like when you look at them, there's nothing calming about the colors for a good night book. But it's almost like there was like a spell put on the books. Like they're they're incredibly they're they're a passageway to falling asleep in a funny way. And I also love as an adult, like looking at all the little details and Margaret Wise Brown's writing is so simple and elegant and, and beautiful. Yeah, that, that was definitely, and, and as I got older, 
I was obsessed with Grimm's fairy tales. Mm -hmm. I loved, I I felt like I was getting insight into a less than perfect world. You know, they, they were very, I, I felt like they were, I enjoyed how kind of morbid they were. And I always kept them by my bed because I just felt like it was this little precious book that was my own that felt like it wasn't talking down to me, that it was, I, I loved it. <laughs> have you read, and if you haven't, you have to go Google it now. Elizabeth Egan wrote this beautiful essay about Goodnight Moon in the New York Times. I think it was two weeks ago or so. It was so beautiful. And all the, she like really took it apart and analyzed the book, but it was really about her own children growing up and coming at the book herself as her kids went off to college. And Oh, wow. Yeah. And how, and her reinterpretation of the woman in the chair, you know, the, the character and, and, and her, I don't, I found it so, I haven't stopped thinking about it. It's so interesting. Oh, wow. Okay. Anyway, you should go, go that. Google and read that. That'll be your assignment for the day for me, aside from doing <laughs> another book here together. <laughs> Do the two of you have any advice for the many people out there who are always like, I want to write a children's book, or I have a story I think would be great. Should I do it? Should I not? Like what makes it, you know, how will I get this published? You know, all of that. What would you say? What's your advice? I mean, I don't know. I think that a gratifying audience can also be the people one knows and one's friends. And, you know, I I mean, uh, of course it's a wonderful thing to be published and to be read by people you don't know on a larger scale. But for me still, you know, the, the, the most gratifying audience are, are my friends and the people that I love. And, you know, sometimes I, I write something and I just send it to three or four friends and I just want to, express myself to them. And so, yes, like obviously try to get published, but there's, you know, don't overlook the, the depth of like sharing yourself with, with the people that you love and how, you know, that's really important. It's not something to be sort of put down, you know, I don't, I I mean, yeah, that's, that's what I would say. Yeah. There's a lot of richness in that. Yeah. And, and I think I would kind of expand on what I was saying earlier about following your nose with your curiosity. And because, you know, there's, I I feel like becoming a creative person is learning about, or it's like learning about when the spark comes. And so for me, that means that sometimes I go down to work and nothing is there. You know, I can't, there's, there's nothing going on in my head. I'm not inspired. And then all of a sudden I'm cooking or I'm driving and inspiration strikes. And I think that you kind of have to, you kind of have to learn how this slippery creature of inspiration works, you know, because you're not always going to have your greatest ideas when you summon them, you know, Mm -hmm. the, some of the greatest ideas come when you're not expecting them and, and you have to be ready to write them down or paint them. Even if it's just like in a little notebook, so you can try and remember that spark. So I I have found that that's been the most helpful tool for me is learning that I have no control over when 
inspiration is going to strike. But I'm very good at noticing when it comes. And when it comes, I'm like all ears. I'm like, okay, what are we going to do? What are we writing down? So yeah, I think that would be my biggest advice to people uh, looking to get into writing or illustration is, is that. Wonderful. Amazing. Well, thank you to both of you. I'm sorry we didn't get into more stuff. I wanted to talk about pure color and everything. But anyway, congratulations on your latest book. It's so beautiful. I am going to absolutely read it to my kids now that we've talked about it. I can give them even more backstory, Garden of Creatures. And sometimes I like to have them listen to the podcast with the author. So I'm like, okay, I'm reading you this book, but now listen. <laughs> Here's what you meant to do. So anyway, congratulations and thanks for coming on Mom's No Time to Read Books. Oh, thanks thank so you so much. It's so much fun. Good. I was hoping. <laughs> great. Have a great day. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 